We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and Jack. The Nets clinched the first-round series. They got the win over the Celtics in Game 5, 123-109. Took care of Boston in five games. How are we feeling, Jack? We spoke in that Celtics pack tonight! <laughs> that we are. Obviously, plenty of extra flavor given the first-round series win was over Boston and all the drama and antics we've seen over the last few seasons. We know about the KG and Paul Pierce trade, blah, blah, blah. Nets got the win in five games. Danny Ainge, how are all those picks doing for you right now? <laughs> Who needs picks when you got KD, Kyrie, James Harden? And we've turned around the franchise quicker than you can, mate. Couldn't get Anthony Davis, couldn't get Paul George, can't lure free agent superstars to their franchise. Couldn't be, mate. Yeah, thought Campbell was better, but guess that's not the case. But Campbell's <laughs> like spending his time hanging out with Kim Kardashian and Tristan Kardashian in freaking Instagram posts. That dude needs to wipe the smile off his face and get into the goddamn gym. Yeah, yeah that's a fact. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. Where do we start with this? Nick, should we go through it chronologically? Should we just get through the, the elation? Well, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. This victory feels... Uh, a tad sweeter than a normal series victory. I mean, we, we expected it to happen. We expected it to be four or five. I picked five and when we were doing the preview. So my, I, I, again, I, I said Jason Tatum would, would put up a big game. He did. The Nets yep. lost one of them. And they still were only within single digits in that game too. But this just feels a little bit sweet. Like you mentioned, Nick, you know, Danny Ainge, the Boston Celtics franchise, the history with the Atlantic Division rival, all the BS that happened when we were at the TD Garden with Kyrie Irving. And, you know, we're closing down on our home court. The crowd was buzzing. I'd kill, I'd kill someone to be at Barclays right now. 
You literally might. You literally might. So uh, I don't know if I have to edit that part out, but we'll see what happens. Uh, like you said, Jack, I think also, you know, being a Nets fan for a long time and being a fan when that trade did happen, the condescending tone in which Boston Celtics fans would talk to Nets fans over the last couple of years, it just feels extremely rewarding to kind of sit there and take that and then get the series win in the fashion in which they did. Because like you said, obviously Jalen Brown was out. Even if Jalen Brown was healthy, the Nets were taking the series regardless. They're substantially more talented. There's a million weaknesses they exploited in that Boston Celtics team. And you saw it game after game. And you just kind of saw when the Nets wanted to and turn up the heat, they could. And they did that in the fourth quarter tonight. Yeah, they they controlled the, this game from start to finish. It was, it was as simple as that. You know, they were only outscored in one quarter, you know, in the third by one. And even then, we could sort of tell that the Nets were just doing everything that needed to be done. Probably not getting enough defensive stops, but that last quarter was promising. I think there was a, a little bit of extra defensive intensity uh, from, from the most of the squad. But... You know, this series, you know, it, it illuminated how great the Nets can be as an offensive unit. Um, and I think led by James Harden, Nick. I think James Harden was the player of the series. And he certainly was the player of the night tonight. You know, getting another triple-double, 34-point triple-double. Yeah, I mean, James Harden was awesome in this series. We saw him look healthy. And I think that was a question mark with the hamstring. Would he have that pop? And over the last couple of games, he's had that pop. He's gotten to the rim. He made Evan Fournier look like a chair. You know, he just constantly went to work on that guy. You know, in Fournier falling all over the place, it didn't really matter. So credit to Harden. And I also thought he did a nice job of kind of getting different guys involved and making sure they kind of stayed hot. You know what I mean? All right, KD hasn't got a shot in a couple possessions. Let's work to him or let's try to work a mismatch. And I also thought defensively, James Harden showed a lot in the series. Obviously, you still have those, you know, effort plays where he's not fully there. But a lot of the time, those quick hands. And when he's locked on to, you know, an elite player, like his defense, defense on Jason Tatum wasn't bad. Yeah. He, he showed his strength and, you know, we've talked about, you know, his hands and, and the way that he you know, disrupts passing lanes. He does a good job of knowing when to shade a defender and sort of create yep. a little bit of, you know, indetermination in their mind and indecision in their mind. I think that he, he showed a lot and it, it shows that when the Nets want to turn something on, you know, Harden can do something defensively. And his stats for this series, Nick, 27.8 points per game, 10.6 assists, 7.2 rebounds and 2.2 steals, shooting splits of 54.6 from the field 46 from three and over 91 percent from the free throw line that's i mean you, you take the opponent with the grain of salt no one is going to guard james harden drew holiday is going to be a tough matchup for him if he happens to face him or it, it might be a chris middleton somewhere someone else as well but you know this is the james harden that we expected he's almost found the complete nature of his game we said you know as he was playing mvp level basketball in the regular season he's playing the best basketball of his career well, he outshone Kevin Durant in a lot of games. He outshone him in a series where we just said the, the other night that Kevin Durant's the best player in the goddamn game. Well, James Harden's got to be up in the top five somewhere, if not top three. Yeah, I mean, James Harden is excellent. And also, one another promising thing was the step back looked really good in this series. And that is just some positive momentum going to the next couple rounds because that's just a weapon. Oh, yeah, you got the Nets. You know, they got five seconds on the shot clock. No big deal. James Harden stepped back. Boom. So I think, like you said, Jack, he he had games where he was better than Kevin Durant. He was the best player on the floor. So credit to Harden, what he's done out there, and just his ability to manipulate defenses and show some effort of his own defensively, just the physicality he provides too. And I, even talking about the defense a little bit more, the versatility, very comfortable going on bigger players. I almost feel like he's better on guys that are bigger than him or are taller than him because he can use, really use that strength and kind of move them out of their spots. 
Yeah, he's a great, great low center of gravity. You know, obviously immense strength, and you know he had another two steals and two blocks tonight. Yep. <laughs> you know, other than KD, KD who had three. So, and you know, Kyrie Irving had one himself. You know, the the most blocks came from our starters uh, and came from our big three. Obviously, you know, you got Clax who who chipped in with one himself, uh, and Bruce Brown with four steals. I'm sure he loves that stat <laughs> uh, personally. But yeah, in all honesty, Nick, you know, James Harden the the. And he's also getting to the free throw line as well. Yep. It was, it was, you know, in the early days of his Brooklyn Nets tenure, just like, come on, James, we know what you can do. Just figure it all out. And he seems to, like you have mentioned, just found a way of controlling and impacting this game like few players and few point guards can. You know, elevating the level of other players, you know, and like you said, you know, getting KD shots, getting Kai shots, getting Joey shots, getting guys on the bench their shots, finding Bruce uh, in, in little pockets and pieces here and there. Um, and also, again, like you said, the defense is probably a pretty promising sign uh, as well. So, James Harden is an incredible basketball player, Nick. I do like that he's, you know, continuing to attack as well. I think that the balance between, you know, the three ball being there as well as attacking off closeouts and just, you know, using his strength and using his craftiness to get to the free throw line. Uh, easy points uh, are, are, are absolute gold when it comes to the postseason. And James Harden might be, you know, the greatest player when it comes to just finding points individually. Yeah, and I think the officiating, not to jump ahead to the next series, is going to play a role in the type of impact Harden has because the balance, like you said, when he's playing the way he is and getting to the free throw line, getting to the rim, and then he has to step back three in his back pocket, he's really, really, really tough to defend. So obviously very positive signs for Harden's trending into the next series. It'll be interesting to kind of see how he works against some of you know, the more elite defenders. There's not going to be an Evan Fournier on the floor. There's not going to be a Romeo Langford, a Peyton Pritchard. There's going to be more elite guys out there. Obviously, we know James Harden is great, but it's definitely going to be a bigger task for him. It's going to be massive, and, and you know, we'll be diving deep into to the minutiae of that series in the coming days. But staying on this game, Nick, KD started cold. I'm like, ah, oh, his, his efficiency is going to be poor. And then I look at the end of the game, He's 50% from the field. He's like 80% from three. He's 100% from the free throw line. And he gets 24 points, three dimes, and four rebounds, and three blocks. Like, bad games for Kevin Durant don't exist. Yeah, this was, I would call it an off game for KD. You know, we saw him miss middies that he typically hits. A lot of them were short. And like you said, Jack, he translated into a 24-point performance on nice efficiency. And obviously, we know the defense he played on the other end of the floor, ding up Jason Tatum, liked his weak side rim protection, really kind of made the Celtics think twice before attacking the rim, had a couple really, really big blocks there. So Kevin Durant, even when he has an off night, still shines and continues to be one of the best players in the NBA. And look, the it's the midi wasn't necessarily on tonight. The pull up wasn't necessarily on tonight. But you know, he just has a, an immense ability to. It wasn't because it's like Jack. Don't know, worry, the midi's off, but we still got the pull up three in the bag. It's working fine, which is crazy. I, look, uh, it's a, he's a cheat code. We know <laughs> that. And, you know, he's a walking cheat code, uh, and he can find whatever shot that he wants. And you know, even if the midi wasn't on tonight, I think he's shooting what like 65 percent from the field from the mid range uh, in a, in a stat that I saw today. So, Don oh, he's allowed. Jinx. 
Yeah, it was it was incredible. But you know, Kyrie Irving wasn't too damn bad himself, Nick. I, I'm I'm really liking the aggression that he's showing and the purpose that he's showing uh, offensively in terms of just like attacking defenders, getting to the glass, getting to the free throw line. It's almost uncustomary of him to miss two free throws. Come on, Kyrie, what are you doing, mate? We're trying to make history here with our offense. You got the 50-40-90 season. That's going to be five or six or six from six from the free throw line, my dude. Yeah, no, it was weird to see him miss two free throws. Usually it's like one a game if he does that. But like you said, Kyrie attacking 25 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 4 of 6 on the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block. I think he's done a really nice job in that off-ball role. I think he's starting to adjust a little bit to having as much space as he does when he's catching passes, you know, coming off screen sometimes where it's like, he sometimes hesitates where it's just kind of like attack because I think it's just a position he's not used to being in. But when he's fully in sync and running in the offense, like the nets are unstoppable, especially when he's hitting his shots and he's got the mid range, the floater, the layup package, whatever it is, he's going to be a huge factor in the next series just because of his ability to hit tough shots where really the defender doesn't necessarily matter for Kyrie a lot of occasions. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of tough shots in the next <laughs> series. But my favorite highlight, for, uh, offensive highlight from, from Kai tonight was probably that drive on Langford where, you know, he's sort of like hanging in the air, finishes off the glass, has just like insane body control and balance. He's like he's floating. And you just know <laughs> that he's going to make it. It's just like I know the angle of this. Like I want to see Kyrie Irving's geometry grades throughout like high school and when he was at Duke if they ever had to do geometry classes at, at college. I don't know what American college is like, Nick. Uh, but there's also he really... Could, he could have taken a class. I don't know. Maybe he majored in it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, in all honesty, he should be a geometry professor with the amount of uh, angles that he knows how to hit off the glass. But... Yeah, also, John at uh, OGDBasketball.com did a, a really nice deep dive into Kyrie Irving and why he's the most skilled basketball player of all time. It's hard to argue with it um, when he can produce what he produces on a nightly basis. Yeah, especially because a lot of situations he's physically outmatched. You know, the opposing defender is taller, stronger, sometimes even more athletic, and Kyrie still finds a way to score. But you said your favorite offensive play was the drive on Langford. My favorite play was they had the three-on-one fast break and he pulled up for the three. It kind of felt like the dagger in the game where it was just like, okay, you know, I know if I hit this three, we're pretty much putting the nail in the coffin. And he did exactly that. And you know that felt extra sweet for Kyrie. Yeah, sorry, Lucky the Leprechaun. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. Um, no logo to step on in this time. And even though the in the pregame warm-ups, I saw Jason Tatum all over our Barclays center Brooklyn Nets logo. Uh, but in all honesty, Nick, I think that that play was obviously massive, I think, in terms of swinging the momentum and you know allowing the, the, the stars to get a little bit of rest in, uh, in junk time. And it was also, it followed a, a big KD three as well. Yep. So it and was, then it was an followed by a James Harden three, I think, later on. Yeah, it, the, the, to get those double-digit 15, 14, 17-point margins, we were waiting for it all night, and you could tell as well that Barclays Center was waiting for it to erupt too, you know, listening to and watching some of the Twitter fans uh, on the timeline. They were sort of just like, you know, eager to erupt because yep. there was, you know, the, the Celtics hung around. You know, they were, they were a pretty solid defensive team. They made some tough shots, and they made some easy shots. Some Sometimes the Nets made it a little bit too easy for them, a little bit of miscommunications, uh, disengagement defense allowing easy switches as has happened uh, in a lot of this series but you know the Nets offense obviously took over uh, and blew them out when they needed to do it um, and and honestly it doesn't matter 4-1 we move on to, to bigger and better things 100% and I think also there was a chance the game could have exploded when Kevin Durant got called for that charge against Marcus Smart where he dropped it off to Blake Griffin he threw down the dunk I think if they call that a blocking foul or a no call like they did the entire series 
you know, that that's probably the the run right there that ends the game. It just happened a little bit later. I think one no on Kyrie, I would say he needs to clean up going the next round. He just has a couple possessions where he has mental lapses defensively where they rotate so much where he like loses the final rotation of where he's supposed to be. And against Milwaukee, they have more gifted three point shooters. So something to just kind of get cleaned up in the film room. Yeah, I think John Schumann uh, was the guy who put out the video for that where, you know, the rotating is happening and there's still probably, and, and we've sort of mentioned this and a lot of smart people have mentioned this too, that the Nets play solid enough defense for 18, 9, 10 seconds, but those final four or five seconds where the ball's still moving around the perimeter or it's an offensive rebound, you know, it, it, the possession isn't over. And it kind of loses a, an engagement there where he's sort of not guarding anyone and he's sort of just like okay Kai, you're not impacting here you need to to find yep. a find a body uh, it doesn't matter who it is um you know i trust him to at least you know impact something rather than sort of just hanging around the paint waiting for a board so yeah the, those lapses are, are going to get punished a lot more against a team like milwaukee so if the, those things get cleaned up a little bit nick then you know uh, it's going to be all gravy but uh, I, before we move on from kd uh, i'd be remiss to not mention that block to transition layup Oof. was uh, incredible. And it, it's just like, again, Tony Jones, you blocked me, mate. So you probably subscribe to the podcast. We're not an athletic pod, but, you know, we've got the best Nets pod in the business anyway. But if you're listening at home, uh, did you see Kevin Durant's defense tonight? Because, dear Lord, that block was amazing. And you know that James Harden was just like, I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting yep. for him. And he just drops the bounce pass. Easy layup with a slim sweeper. Yeah, I mean, Katie had some extra pop in his jump tonight. He was getting off the floor really quick, and every block was emphatic. You know what I mean? It wasn't like any of that light stuff. It was like, nah, I'm swatting this so you know I'm here. And like you said, those are the type of plays that can really change a game. Obviously, like you said, the Nets were in control majority of this game. But if you're in a tight game, that little swing right there can be enough momentum to kind of turn you on to win the corner or win the game or win the half like we've talked about in the past. Exactly. They're, they're just big plays, big individual plays. Uh, he's the the best Nets defensive player right now. Um, and, and look, I, I think he's better than Clax. You know, Clax probably has his moments, but Katie's versatility, ability to play at the five, ability to to guard guys on ice. So you know, we'll see probably a lot of possessions of him on Giannis, which is going to be uh, a really interesting to sort of yep. see his physicality tested in a way that probably hasn't been you know, since his return from from the injury. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This series where, you know, it's everything on the line. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating matchup. And I, and I can't wait to dive deep into that playoff preview. But, you know, just to finish off, I guess, with the big three, Nick. Kevin Durant plus 16, Kyrie Irving plus 23, James Harden plus 22. 
enough said. Yeah, enough said. And we saw some more Kyrie at a Harden minutes in this game, and I'm not sure we've seen much of that all series long. Obviously, you know, you're going to play your big big game players a little bit more in the postseason. So, but again, you know, big three. Really happy with their performance overall throughout the series. There was definitely some uh, question marks with the chemistry, how the offense look, and you know they came through, they performed, and obviously there's still room for improvement, and we hope to see that in the next round and the rounds after that. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. If you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast-track your coverage with a no-exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed, independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award-winning service has a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, head to policygenius.com today. Yeah, uh, look, I guess I'll ask it about this series because I was sort of hearing, you know, some some discourse about the fact that the Bucks matchup with the Heat probably prepared them better for their series against us than what we were matched up with the Boston Celtics, Nick. Do you think that there's anything that we can take away from this series moving forward against the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks other than the fact that, man, we got some good offense? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to say. I think that's a fair argument to say the Heat are a better team, but throughout the season, the Celtics and the Heat were around the same level. It's not like they're separated by many games. So I think, yeah, maybe the Heat defensively got the Bucks a little bit more prepared, but offensively, the Heat couldn't score. Their best player was trash. Like, Jimmy Butler was not good. Their second best player, Bam, not good. So offensively, I don't think, you know, the Bucks really had to defend at a high level. I mean, for the Nets, you could say on the Boston front, they didn't really have to do anything at a high level except try to limit Jason Tatum. And obviously that doesn't really help them going against the Bucks that have, you know, three stars and other great role players. So I'm not sure there's much to take away for either team. I think it would be kind of stupid for both teams to go into the next series thinking there's anything they can take away from the previous series, just given the talent gap between, you know, the Nets and the Heat and the Celtics and the Bucks. I have some thoughts on that, but I am going to save it for the playoff preview because that's where I really want to dive deep. And I've already been taking notes of plenty, you know, the past 24 to 48 hours. But Nick, I guess we should get to Blake Griffin, the other, uh, the fourth man out of our five starting starters. No, the starting <laughs> players, whatever. Um, Blake continues to show not much. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I think what it's hurting Blake is the difference between the regular season and the postseason. You know, your intensity level needs to rise to a different level when you're in the postseason. And I think Blake does a nice job of rising his intensity level in the regular season. But now the problem is when you get to the playoffs, everybody is doing that. And that's kind of been his, 
you know, deciding factor for the Nets is making a lot of those hustle plays. And it's a lot harder to do when everybody's trying to make those hustle plays. And I think some of the basic things are stuck out a little bit more. And teams are going to attack your weaknesses because they're scouting you. And I think, you know, obviously his athleticism isn't there. Honestly, I'm a little concerned about his conditioning because I think that's part of the problem because you'll see glimpses of him look pretty good, but then he'll just be gassed and not be able to do it on a regular basis. Yeah, but he gets to fly up for a a lefty dunk, which he seems to do like he's 25 years old on a regular basis. You know, he looks fine, but, you know, it's on those switches. It's, you know, nailing the defensive boards. It's showing physicality on the box outs where we really wanted to show that. I'd I'd prefer to see it, to be honest. I'd rather see role player Blake rather than sort of like highlight Blake. He did have a decent third quarter. I will give him that. That's when the the Nets offense was sort of, you know, there was some, some nice little sparks here and there. That's when he got the dunk. That's when the spacing looked all right. And that's been one of my favorite highlights from this game, Nick, where we saw you know, uh, just some awesome ball movement where everyone basically touched it. Kai's got the ball in the perimeter and Blake rolls hard. And when Blake rolls, you know, he's going to be some form of force because he does not just have, you know, physicality and, and, and athleticism. He does have finesse as well. Yeah. So that was a really nice feed from Kyrie Irving uh, on that play. That was a, a really, really pretty, pretty set. Yeah, it's, and we don't typically see Blake roll a ton either. You know what I mean? It hasn't been something we've seen a lot, a lot of short rolls, a lot of just kind of bopping to the three-point line. So interesting to see how they defend him going in the next series. Obviously, the length is a huge difference. Not to <laughs> jump ahead to the Bucks, but obviously that's a thought on my mind right now. Um, but just, you know, Blake overall, I think, wasn't great in this series. You know, you could make an argument he was one of the worst Nets, then maybe he had the worst series out of anybody. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. He's your fifth starter. You know, he's not expected to be better than Joe Harris. And obviously there's options to possibly play DeAndre Jordan, maybe Nick Claxton, hopefully Jeff Green's ready. So it's not like the Nets are necessarily forced to start Blake Griffin. There's a good chance he'll have to see minutes. But like I mentioned to you in the DMs, I think in a bench role where his minutes are kind of in shorter burst, I think he could be okay. Yeah, I think that there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, should Blake come off the bench? You know, obviously DJ minutes and the five position we've discussed at length, which we'll probably discuss even more so uh, on the playoff preview. But Nick, Joe, reliable, steady as always. Yeah, Joe, honestly, this was a really good game for Joe. And the stats aren't necessarily there, but... How about dimes Yeah, from that's Joe- what I was going to go to. Six Joe- assists. Joey Jason Kidd. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far, but you know, there was some really nice interior passing from Joe. And I think he's just starting to get more comfortable with the playoff intensity and what to expect and what to anticipate. And he just was really making great decisions on the floor. You know, it wasn't necessarily forcing it kind of played with his game, setting up Claxton, setting up Blake and defensively. I thought he was okay in this game. I liked a couple possessions he had on Tatum. He was a little over aggressive, but that's fine. I'd rather see you be over aggressive than be timid and give Jason Tatum an easy three. Yeah, I was going to mention that too, Nick, in terms of, you know, on the switches, you know, he's showing just a, a level of physicality and desire that we want all our guys to show out there. He's so pretty good that, at denial. Yeah, no, he, he is. He, he makes things tough. Yep. You know, I think that, you know, I've watched the video a million times of him sort of just explaining the fundamentals to his play where it's like, you know, you shadow the ball, you know, you, you face guard the player um, and a lot of the things that, you know, he just does well. And, you know, he's obviously improving in that area. I think the switching system does suit him uh, relatively well. But yeah, six dimes for him. You know, he was throwing them with his right, with his left, off the drives, you know, the decision making. We don't see that from Joe last year, let alone the year before. I think he had a couple of games. You know, there was the Chicago game where he had like yeah. eight assists. That was like one of the, the best games of Joe Harris's career. But you know, I think that the level of confidence, and there was also, I think, 
uh, maybe an early lesson that he learned because early in the game on the drive, Tristan Thompson, you know, yacked him and, and blocked yep. the hell out of him. And I think that Joe had a better awareness when he was driving to the rim from that play onwards. And the fact that it happened early in the game and in-game adjustments from an individual player, we've sort of spoken about how intelligent this team is. You know, you can't doubt the intelligence and execution from Joe Harris either. Yeah, I think that's a benefit of the team scouting Joe Harris and realizing like, oh, this guy is great at finishing around the rim, even with one defender right there. So we're going to send the help. Joe reacts to that by hitting the open man later on in the game, like you said. So, you know, we talk about this a lot with the elite players, but even Joe Harris, a role player, did a great job of kind of adapting on the fly and improving throughout the game. So credit to Joe and really starting to find his role on this team. You know, it's obviously tough to be the fourth starter when you're playing with three of the best players in the NBA, three of the best scorers, offensive players. It's just like kind of getting your rhythm can be tough at times. A lot of credit to him because it's it's not as easy as it sounds. No, but I think that the the synergy is starting to be there. Now that we've got James Harden controlling things, you know, he's screening for him, you know, re-screening. You know, if Joe, if Joe gets the ball and there's nothing there, passes it back to James, we know that their chemistry is top-notch. I, I think Joe has just been a bit more active as well offensively yep. when he's not shooting the ball. And obviously the three di- the six uh, dimes are, you know, are loose to that as well. I think the team rebounding, he's really buying into as well. He's shown... A, a level of effort that we want the whole team to sort of show. Um, so I, I think that that's a positive because, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup for him as well as the rest of the team against this Milwaukee Bucks squad because, you know, they're athletic as hell and those teams not normally bother Joe. But, you know, I've got more confidence in him after sort of what we've seen uh, in glimpses. You know, we saw the massive offensive outburst, you know, the 17-point quarter, but the steadiness and reliability, you know. What's the difference between, you know, your bottom and your best? You know, the difference between Joe's bottom and his best these days uh, is pretty pretty um, small because he's showing that level of consistency and reliability that it's uh, a really good thing. I think in the next series, just one thing we'll have to do different from this series is probably take a couple more contested threes, just given the defense is going to be at a higher level and there's going to probably be less attention for the other guys. But like you mentioned, Jack, I think he's done a nicer job of understanding where to be in playoff basketball. I think he mentioned this post game after game one or game two, saying how he kind of was getting in the way a little bit because, you know, just the way teams play defense in the playoffs is so much different than how they play in the regular season. Definitely. You know, just better instincts, you know, better decisions. And sometimes those little things are what make the difference, you know, on the box score and in the game overall. Yep, 100%. I guess let's talk Nick Claxton. I thought Claxton had some really nice stretches in this game, probably some of his best playoff basketball. Just played with a different level of aggression today. You know, six points, four rebounds, three of seven from the field, two of them being offensive rebounds, and one block in there. And just Clax, you could feel him in this game. And that's not something you could say about other games in this series. Yeah, I think he said pre-game the other day, whenever it was, that you know he wants to dunk on somebody. And yeah, he had some dunks today, but I think it was just the mentality to be like, I want to impact this game more. You yeah. know, I'm not just a block, a guy who can block and you know get guys in the perimeter. You know, when he got Jason Tatum switched onto him, Jason Tatum just made some insane shots, um, yeah. and he's done. He just does that to Claxton. It's just like. What else can you do there? Like, if Blake was doing that same sort of thing, you know, we'd be absolutely laughing. But you know, I think that the rebounding was something that I was really happy with from Clax today. You know, off his misses, it's just like, you know what, I'm going to get this. You know, he, yep. he one of his earlier possessions, you know, he missed a, you know, a short little baby hook. And he's just like, ah, oh, stuff you. I'm going to get this offensive board and, and fight down low. And that, for me, is what you want to see early because... 
you know, setting the tone, like we sort of discussed with like Joe Harris, you know, you get a flow and a feel for the game, you know, early on, and you want to sort of make a statement individually as well to sort of go, all right, I'm going to impact this game uh, in the little things on the boards, you know, defensively, you know, making sure that I'm I'm being a, a good teammate out here. Yeah, I feel like he came out, he wanted to play like a big. He just came out and he set the physicality and set the tone and like, oh, you're going to switch a small on me? I'm going to I'm gonna leverage him. I'm going to get my positioning here. I'm going to seal him off. I'm going to catch the pass. And I'm going to go up and either finish it or I'm going to get to the free throw line or get the fouls. And that's something he just wasn't doing in other games. And like you said, you know, attacking the boards defensively. Some of those Tatum shots were ridiculous. Jason Tatum, t- um, a hat off to him because that dude hit some shots in this game. Like, I don't even remember him really hitting any easy shots. Maybe there was like two or three the Nets gave him, but majority of the shots he hit in this game were ridiculous. They were Kevin Durant-esque. Yeah, he's an incredible player. There's no doubt about that. And and we, we've said time and time again that Nick Claxton is an incredible defender, but incredible offense will always beat incredible yep. defense. But yeah, Claxton's role is going to be interesting going forward. You know, it's going to be a, a, a fascinating wrinkle to, you know, what is going to be a hotly contested series. And, and Claxton's role, you know, the impact that he has on the series that could dictate, you know, possessions, maybe quarters and maybe even a game. It could be the, the difference in the series. I mean, that's kind of a hot take, but I wouldn't rule it out just because of the defensive potential and him being one of the versatile bigs that the Nets can play. I would have liked to probably see him get more minutes in this series just so he'd look a little bit more comfortable, but that's Steve Nash's decision. We'll see what happens going to the next one. But let's talk about our guy, Bruce Brown. 10 points, 4 of 8 from the field, uh, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals, didn't get into this game until the second quarter. I, it didn't even feel early in the second quarter. I thought that was kind of interesting, but then I ended up playing bigger minutes in the second half. Yeah, 24 minutes for the game, you know, and, and yeah. he is essentially been the, the closing five in the absence yep. of, of Jeff Green. And, you know, when Clax isn't out there, it's essentially closing, you know, major minutes, important minutes when we need him out there. It, it's Bruce Brown, you know, doing the little things, two offensive boards, like you mentioned, Nick. You know, uh, a, a big steal that led to that Kyrie Irving three. Yeah. Um, it's it's Bruce the Bruce Brown that you want. It's the Bruce Brown that you love, um, and he's had a, a really really nice series. Really worked his way into it. Um, been good to see Steve Nash make that adjustment. You know, leading the team in minutes off the bench, and you know you can make an argument that he should be starting for this team in in in, in a lot of respects. But he is playing you know starter level minutes in terms of you know the the amount of minutes that uh, he is being allocated. But yeah, plus five on the night, ten points. Um, he's he's doing like good screening. He's showing activity. Um, he's communicating. Um, he, he he's been aggressive. You know, he's showing purpose. Um, I, I love Bruce Brown, man. I, I love this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to love him, like you said, Jack. All the things you listed, all the small details. I really like the activity in the passing lanes and just kind of getting some of those loose balls, like you mentioned, kind of start off the Kyrie fast break with that big three. But those are the type of plays that can just be huge when you can get your team in transition. And Bruce Brown's kind of willing to stick his face in there and make some of those dirty plays that you know other players just don't want to do. So credit to him. I think it's something that activates the Nets' defense uh, a lot. And it's like, it's Bruce, it's Jeff, it's Clax. These sort of guys are like, you know, Katie obviously has, you know, his big block moments and and stuff. But sometimes, you know, it means more coming from one of those guys. And, you know, Blake doesn't really have the the ability to do that defensively. You know, I don't think all the sort of, you know, activity that we've seen from him has been on the offensive side of the ball. You know, there's been charges taken and, you know, some decent boards occasionally. But, you know, Bruce Brown and the activity that he shows, you know, he is 
He's pesky as hell, um, and I'd hate to go up against him. And I hope he has a, a big role to play in the next series against Milwaukee. But you know what he did show against this Boston team just showed that you know he's a hell of a player. And the, what he's done, you know, looking back on his journey as a Brooklyn Nets as well, you yep. know, we're all like, "Where's Bruce? Where's Bruce? Where's Bruce?" To being now, you know, a, a real playoff contributor and a big part of the the series for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it, it's a credit to him because he's had a a hell of a season. Yeah, and then credit to Sean Marks for getting him for a steal. Now, we talked about that a lot. We don't have to jump into it again. Second-round pick and Musa do that trade a million times out of a million times. But, uh, Jack, who else on the bench stuck out to you? Look, Landry Shaman had 22 minutes, Nick, and I think that this was a, a – the box score doesn't scream out anything. And, obviously, you know, he didn't have a steal or a block, but I thought his defense was a little bit better than I expected. Yeah, I felt like he had some really good defensive plays, you know, sprinkled in with some bad ones where he's just a little bit undersized for playoff basketball. But again, like you said, Jack, the pressuring he had on Jason Tatum and just trying to be active and overly aggressive and make the offensive player feel him, credit to him, especially with a shot not falling. You know, when your shot's not falling, sometimes you play a little bit worse. I thought, you know, Shamit was as good as he normally is defensively, if not a touch up. Definitely. And look, you know, when the shot isn't falling and he's not getting the shots, he's got to do something else to keep himself yep. out there. And uh, I think that that was a, a good sign. But Nick, in early points of this game, I love the minutes that we got from Tyler Johnson. Yeah, just a kind of a scrappy guy. He's like a, a littler version of Bruce Brown to an extent. You know what I mean? Just kind of doing some of those things out there where you're like, okay, you know, like do your thing, Tyler Johnson. Would have been nice to see him maybe hit, you know, another shot or two, but still just kind of scrappy, just a nice rotational piece. And I like the fact that he's getting first half minutes and then not necessarily seeing him in the second half. I think that's a nice little wrinkle from Steve Nash. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, set a bit of a tone and, you know, if he is needed and Landry Shaman isn't feeling himself and the shot isn't yep. there and he's getting cooked defensively, it's just like, all right, well, we can elevate those Tyler Johnson minutes. And, you know, he has a maturity and an ability to impact the game uh, in a really positive way. You know, his rebounding, I thought, was good tonight. You know, he hit a nice little three, showed some really nice little defense. And I think it's sort of reflective. It's It, it made Tyler Johnson is sort of like when LaMarcus Aldridge spoke to Sham Sarania today talking about, you know, how much love he had for this on that team and the family and the atmosphere and you know how everyone wants to succeed for each other. You know, Tyler Johnson was the guy when the, the bottle was thrown at Kyrie Irving to immediately be like, get this mother effer out of here. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll fight this mother effer. He looked ready you. to fight. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, I've got this guy for you, Kyrie. You go to the locker room, my dude. And you know, that that's just the those are just the little things, the camaraderie that you know we sort of spoke about in the preseason, which feels like absolutely ages ago, decades ago, where it's just like, what is the chemistry gonna be like with this team? You know, it was a question from many of the outsiders, but Tyler Johnson has been a big part of, you know, sort of solidifying that. And you know, we have seen like videos with him and you know Alize Johnson, you know, him talking about the light skin guys with him and Blake Griffin and stuff. It's all just like a, a good fun. And I think Tyler Johnson, you know, is a big part of, you know, this Brooklyn Nets family vibe. Yeah, a hundred percent. And also credit to Tyler Johnson because last year he didn't even know he was gonna continue to be in the NBA. Signed with the bubble nets, earned himself a spot ended up earning a spot in training camp and now is playing playoff minutes for this team. And I'm not sure he's going to play some in the next round, but at the end of the day, he did he did a lot for his career. And credit to him for the work he put in and understanding his role. And like you said, also, you can just tell his teammates kind of love him. Like TJ's just one of those guys that, you know, everyone's going to be happy for when he hits a three or makes a defensive play. Definitely. You know, he just does all these little things. And, you know, it's when your sort of career gets into, 
to a, a new chapter. I think Tyler Johnson has had the realization. It's just like, okay, this is what I need to do now. You know, this isn't Phoenix or Miami anymore. I need to provide things that are, are beyond the box score, beyond the, the yep. shot making, beyond those sort of things. And I think he's doing that in, in, in behind the scenes, probably, you know, a plenty. And he's still showing good levels of contribution when he is on the floor. And, and, and in, we sort of said, you know, role players need to do things that, you know, the big three, now we don't need them to do and sort of impact in ways that, you know, aren't the three-point shooting, aren't the a 10, 15 assists per night. And Tyler Johnson has done that throughout the, a decent regularity for this series. A hundred percent, Jack. It's kind of almost sometimes, to be honest, things that you don't want the big three doing. You know, you don't necessarily want them banging around in certain positions. And that's no disrespect to the role players. It's just the fact is that if you lose a Kevin Durant, you lose a James Harden, a Kyrie Irving for a game or multiple games, that can change your series. And, you know, if you lose some of these role players, they're somewhat replaceable and different guys you have on the bench. That's why you work up your depth all season long. You play a million different lineups. It has some type of benefit for you. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on specifically for this game? The final quarter offensively, Nick, was, you know, the, the Nets at their best. And John Schumann, again, put out a stat at, I think it might have been halfway through the quarter or three quarters away through the quarter where it was the, or close to the end. But the Nets had 34 points on 16 possessions. Yes. That's insane. I mean, if we're talking about like Ben Simmons getting fouled a plenty and, and missing all of them, like you know he misses fish throwing them back into the water, uh, this is the complete opposite of the spectrum. Had to throw a bit of shade at my Aussie <laughs> brethren because you know we're coming for you, Philly. Yeah, because there's only one ball, but <laughs> that that, <laughs> really, that really hurt the Nets this series. But uh, I agree, Jack. I think you know we saw stretching. What was it? Game four where they had like they made 10 straight shots. Like it's just like this team is ridiculous offensively. And like, I put out a tweet, like, I don't think that they're at their full level yet. I think we saw a glimpse of what they can be. Obviously their competition is going to be harder. So maybe the statistics won't be there, but there's definitely ways to make things smoother offensively because you see these stretches and it's not realistic to expect them to do that over the course of a full game, but there are stretches where they can definitely make life easier on themselves and force the defense in a, a lesser position. Yeah, I mean, and the, they always say the best defense is a good offense, and I think that the Brooklyn Nets take that philosophy to the tenfold. But again, you know, overall, Nick, 26 assists tonight. You know, yep. my magic number, as I've said you know, plenty of times in this pod, is 25. I think that, you know, it could be juiced up a little bit, but I do think that the flow was there, that where they weren't getting bogged down into ISOs all the time. And, you know, James Harden was leading the way. You know, Joe Harris, obviously, with his six times. And there was just good team-level basketball. And, and if that number stays steady enough, you know, 25-plus, then I think the Nets are going to have success as a team offensively, not just getting the big three uh, and getting them getting their own. Yeah, 100%, Jack. Just because there's a lot of offensive talent on this team, not just from James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. There's other guys like Joe Harris, like a Landry Shamit, like a, you know, a Jeff Green when he's on and healthy. Even Blake Griffin has had stretches not in the postseason so far, but in the regular season where he's done some things. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of match up with the Bucks, what their scheme is, how they're going to attack them, weaknesses, whatever it might be. Like you mentioned, we'll touch on that on the preview. But Jack, I guess overall for this series, who would you say were the top five nets? Give me a one Top through five. One through five. Well, I alluded to it earlier that uh, James Harden was the best. So I'll go James Harden. Um, I'll go Kevin Durant. I'll go Kyrie Irving. I'll go G uh, Joe Harris just because of that absolutely uh, outlandish performance that he had. Uh, Bruce Brown. Is that five? That is yep, five. That's Bruce five. Brown. That's yep. five. 
I think, oh man, it's tough. I would consider swapping Katie and James Harden just because Kevin Durant had to defend Jason Taylor. Defensively, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, like you said, I think, I guess I'll give the nod to Harden just because I think I like the impact in which he had on players and making them better and kind of just like slowing things down and getting the Nets a bucket when they really needed. Um, and he was so, good defensively as well, Nick. Like we yeah. talked about it. Like, you know, there were nights where it was just like two blocks, two steals. Like like tonight, it was a, a consistency defensively than when, you know, we probably haven't seen from him. And he's shown moments of that in Houston as well. You know, when the games matter, James Harden steps up. And, you know, I think that we can probably... I think he probably wants the the chip more than any other, and yep. he's showing that possession after possession after possession. You know, I think that the lapses that we saw earlier in this series, I don't think we saw them really that much in four and five. Yeah, I think there's maybe one possession where, but he's pretty good at saying like, "Yo, that was my bad. Like I effed up on that possession type of thing." And I would go probably Joe Harris and Bruce Brown. You can make an argument Bruce Brown was better, but he didn't play yeah. enough minutes to be better than Joe Harris for the overall series. You know, Bruce Brown averaged about 20 a game. Joe averaged about 35. You know, that's a pretty substantial difference in how much time you're spending on the court. Yeah, I mean, you can look at per 36 numbers and, you know, whatever analytics or whatever, but we're just going off what we've watched out of out of these five games. Yep. Another thing I will say about James Harden, Nick, as well, what a rebounder. Like, yeah. he is so goddamn good at rebounding the basketball. Um, I think that... That's a skill and a stat that, you know, it probably goes to the wayside, but we've sort of elevated and highlighted its importance for this Brooklyn Nets team. Um, and, uh, you know, a little bit of a sneak preview. I'm going to be highlighting that as a, a big point for the playoff preview as well. Um, and James Harden's rebounding and his consistency on that end of the floor. You know, when, we, when he was out, you know, it was almost just like we missed James Harden for so many different things. Yep. And rebounding was one of them as well. Yeah, I think also an underrated aspect is he does a good job of putting a body on bigger players. You know what I mean? Like he eliminated Tristan Thompson or at least put him in a position where all he could do was tip the basketball instead of gather the rebound. So like you said, Jack, we were kind of mentioning. Yeah, we were kind of mentioning <laughs> mentioning it at the end of the season about James Harden, how the Nets missed him defensively and miss him on the boards. And people were like, oh, what? But like you can see it in the series and the type of impact he has. And like you said, He's probably been the most locked in net. Like he hasn't really had any bad games. You know what I mean? He's been kind of in the bag. If anything, I don't think his game one was super productive, but he still had the passing and everything and almost, I think, had a triple double. So, yeah, I think we've sort of said this on pods and, you know, had discussions on Twitter and such about, you know, his importance and is he the most important Brooklyn net? And, you know, we know about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and how good these guys are. But like we sort of mentioned in terms of James Harden's impact on the on so many facets of the game as well as you know the impact that he has on his teammates and beyond as well as like leadership and desire and a willingness to be like every possession matters it's just like we're getting a good shot you know whether yep. i'm getting a step back three or i'm getting katie uh, in the post or i'm finding kai for downhill or i'm making these transition passes that you know that feel like two points that feel like four points um you know the important buckets james harden seems to always have a hand in and you know, he is going to be, it's going to be a, a heck of a series. And, you know, James Harden, this might be the toughest matchup that he's ever faced. You know, obviously he's versed the Golden State Warriors before. Yeah, I was going to say, Jack, yeah. <laughs> I look, again, I prefaced it. I prefaced it with the level of, you know, objectivity that, that I just did. But, you know, the, the defensive matchups that he'll he'll have from Milwaukee. You know, Kevin Durant said it himself. Drew Holiday is one of the best, if not the best defender in the league. He's going to see a lot of Drew Holiday. And if he can still impact the game in the way that he does, even 90% of it, then the Nets are going to be within a good shot. 
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Dante DiVincenzo is going to be out, and how are they going to deal with Kyrie Irving and all those aspects, which we'll touch on the preview. I guess one final note on the series, Jack. How would you grade Steve Nash's job in round one? You know, you can give me a letter grade. Give you a letter grade. I was going to go a number grade because I'm, I'm, I'm a numbers man. All right, Nick. do it up. Give me a number grade. I, I thought it would be a little too hard, but I. <laughs> Well, because like in in America, like A's are like ninety five percent. In Australia, they're like ninety percent, and like you know, there's A pluses, and it's just like I don't like the percentages and stuff. So I like just to keep it pure numbers. So I'll go a seven and a half out of ten for Steve Nash. Um, I think that that's fair enough, and you know, that's B ish range, I guess, if we're translating it to whatever uh, you know alphabetical um, range you, you want to put it into. But he made adjustments. You know, he he called some timeouts here and there. I still think that. He could have had more impact on the game, but I, I think he just sort of knows where to go. Okay, this is where the players can take over. I'm not going to overcoach. And that's, I think, what he probably is one of his weaknesses, where it's just like, you are the coach. You can impact the game, you, especially in playoff matchups. It's just like, all right, maybe throw a double at, at Tristan Thompson. Sorry, not at Tristan Thompson, at Jason Tatum. And we actually did see in the fourth quarter better rotations from the guys in terms of collapsing and and, and and going back out to the perimeter and rotating and just sort of showing a level of activity. Whether that was coaching, I'm not 100% sure. But Steve Nash just has a, a level-headedness that is going to be important. But, you know, he's going to have to up his game, you know, against Mike Bultenhorst in the second round because the adjustments that he's made to that team overall in the regular season that we did see also in the Miami Heat matchup, you know, I think right now Mike Bultenhorst is a better coach than Steve Nash. Um, but that can easily be thrown out the window if we see Steve Nash really sort of stamp and make his mark uh, in the second round matchup against Milwaukee. Yeah, I think you made a great point, Jack, when you talked about how he tries not to overcoach. I think sometimes that's him having too much trust in his players, knowing that he was such a great player. And obviously he has three elite offensive players. So I feel like I don't know if that's part of like his coaching style or what he wanted to do in round one. So it'll be interesting to see how it is in round two when obviously things are going to be tighter, it's probably going to be a lot more competitive series. So I'd give Steve Nash probably like a, a probably seven and a half or maybe a 7.75. You know, I think game three, we saw some of the issues where he pro they probably could have won that game if he made a few adjustments. But again, the players were the ones that didn't perform and play defense. So you can only blame the coach so much. And I thought we saw some things in game four that were like, okay, Steve Nash, I see you're starting to do some things, make some adjustments. And I think the timeouts, I think as the series progressed, he improved. And I will say, I saw a different level of engagement from him on the bench in comparison to what we saw in the regular season, just based off of like his facial expressions and his eyes and kind of just how he was motioning and everything. Yeah, and, and you know, despite the fact that it doesn't really mean a lot, a good challenge tonight on that James yeah. Harden offensive. That's a big challenge, overturned. to be honest, to an extent. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a, a lot of the times it's just like you make those calls to appease your stars. But, you know, I think that we all sort of saw it and, and thought that, you know, James Harden can get caught a, a couple of times for extending the elbow a little bit, but there was no extension that time. And, you know, Steve Nash showed a, a level of acumen that was just like, you know what, let's challenge this bad boy. And it, it mattered a lot because it also turned into two points and a foul on, on Evan Forney. And then it's just like it, that sort of a challenge was, uh, was really clever. Yeah, it really was. It was, like I said, a pretty big play in the game and kind of one of the ceiling factors for the Celtics. But, Jack, it feels good to get the first round over with and the Nets come out victorious. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Cancun Celtics. <laughs> one, two, three. Uh, as always, Jack, big thanks. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out the buzz on all stream platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.